And we are live. Thank you, uh, everybody, for watching us in the uh, replay. And uh, I'd like to thank my panel tonight, Garrett and Blaine, for returning. This is we've decided on an official name. This is Table Breakers, episode three. And uh, you can credit Garrett with that. Garrett had a great brainstorming <laughs> session, or maybe he just got too close to the THC friendly guy. We don't know. No, I got nothing. So anyway, tonight's topic is new players, how to integrate them into our games, how to get them in, how to get them up to speed, how to retain them and uh, train them to be working with the group. That's the Garrett, hard part. I want to go with you on this first. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about this topic. Well, uh, to get new players in, it basically talk to them. What kind of player? What kind of you know? Get a little bit of a, a story from them. What they're playing, what their motivation is, because you can use you know can always use the motivation based on the arc that you're running. Uh, it, it it's very very easy to be able to slot them in, uh, especially if you've got like you know in your in your agenda because never make plans plans fail always make agendas uh but in your agenda for your game uh to basically if you can get them to get slotted in sometimes they'll have to maybe have to sit for a little bit but i mean having them set a little bit they can already see kind of how the dynamic goes with the group i find that 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 actually works really well uh that way they can uh kind of figure out what they want to do and and where they where they will best fit in so the uh basically sit there get them uh online and you know get get them into a spot where they can actually be introduced to the party and get the uh get the ball rolling that sounds pretty reasonable mm -hmm. um you when when you're doing that, what do you find works best to, to get people into your game? Do you find that uh, using a message board or like someone on Discord that you've been friends with for a while, or how do you usually go about doing it? Well, I mean, currently we've got a because we're doing every other Saturdays and we kind of rotate through, and it hasn't been my time for a while. So, uh, but. Uh, Typically, we've got a pretty good set core of players. So, and truthfully, we've, you know, added a couple, subtracted a couple, and it's been more of, hey, I want to play. Well, this person really hasn't been pulling their weight with everything or has been a pain in the ass with trying to get things, you know, from A to B. So it's like, oh, well, we're starting a new game. We just will tell them we're just taking a break. And let them know when we're coming back. And typically, we never let them know when we're coming back. <laughs> yeah, we we've uh, we've kind of done things like that around where I'm at. Uh, I've met some people just in person, and they turn into you know players, and it lasts for a little while. I'm going to turn off Discord. I'm sorry about that. That's no okay. Um, they have uh, they have things going on, but. We stay in contact, and next thing I know, we're discussing what we're going to be playing for a game. 
And when you're a GM trying to, to get a table wrestled together, and I, I say wrestled, different from the word wrestle, but you, you grapple with it pretty hard. And uh, it, it just feels like there's sometimes where everything works easy and you can execute move after move. And uh, basically, you know, get a, a, an entire table of four or six people in together. Or other times that, you know, you, you, you're you stuck at like three people or two people. You're just like, well, fuck it. I'll just run with this until we get all the people we need. Can you guys run two characters each? You know, you, do, you start doing things like that. And then somebody has a really bad idea. Like, how about we play Gestalt? No. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's exactly where I go with that. No, not at all. We're not playing Gestalt. And uh, I, I just, I have a an inborn hatred of that. It's bad enough, the player's handbook and, you know, the advanced player's guide for Pathfinder are written basically to where player characters win. You just farm for experience points, you know, and and worse yet, when I've played fifth ed or watched other people get into it, it seems like it's the same thing, but on crack. It just, just happens more often. Oh, we slaughtered 400 orcs today. Well, you know, if you're back in second edition AD&D, slaughtering a band of five orcs would be a, a nice thing because they usually kill you. But, you know, it's, it's just, just kind of different. And trying to get people together for a, a game is sometimes you wrestle with it. Um, yeah. I'll talk about some other things, but I'm going to throw this to Blaine since, you know, we, right now we have, we have Blaine in there. Oh God. We have a person in the chat. Shadzar says, how the hell was I in the stream for grumpy from September 26th? What? Bruce, you need to delete that stream. So it doesn't screw up for other people. Don't do Twitch thought mode on YouTube if you want viewers for streams. You aren't big enough to need only sub chat mode. Oh, the reason why I'm doing that, Shadzar, is that I don't want spammers. Like last yeah, time. We had, yeah, we had the issue last time where the person came in and put a whole bunch of raunchy crap in. So, yeah. It's yeah, only it, for five minutes. It's it's for, for five minutes, and most of these people that are, are hell-bent like that don't have that patience. They usually don't. They they should, if they want to be a dick, they should be patient, but they're usually not. So, so like eighty percent of them hit that wall and they just go away. That works. Yes. All right, Blaine. Unlike you everybody have, else, what was that? Question? Uh, no, you, you have a, you have a vacancy at your table, like half your table is, you know, changing classes or not going to be able to make it next semester. I know you probably I've, have a new table every semester, don't you? About half. I, I rotated out about half a semester. And occasionally I might get one for multiple years, but not very often. <laughs> but usually what I end up having is I have students going, hey, I know somebody who wants, like, I almost never had a problem of having empty chairs. I think I've had a grand total in the last seven years, like three sessions where I had less than four people at the table. So I'm more at the tell people to stop bringing friends in. 
So because once you hit once you hit six, like I can't say no to students. They're they pay, they're supposed to be there. So you might have like six to eight of them. But the problem is that you just get new ones constantly. Wow. Shadzar's already starting. Um Shedzar was had a, a statement he made from last chat. We can talk about that after we talk about getting new people in. Because that's going to take up a little bit of time, probably about five or ten minutes, I think. But the oh, go ahead. But to continue on with that is is that but since I'm constantly having to integrate new players and for I and for some of us, we had the benefit of we're older players, like we're older GMs. So who we're going to recruit tends to be older players, tends to be veteran players. So it's be one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, you want to come join my, I, I join a game? And it's like, yeah, I've been playing this game since, you know, since, since 1982. And I still have my original dice that I remember. I had to use a crayon to go marker in. And I know how to play this game. I just jump right in. I'll be just fine. Perfect. And for the most part, you move out from that point. It's like, but the thing is, is that if you get, I say, run a gaming club at a school or work out of a out of a gaming store, you tend to actually have more players than you have GMs. In fact, there's always a problem with that. So you actually run into, hey, this is like my first time playing. How do I play this game? And you bring them into it, and then, and well, you gotta like as much as it'd be fun to always say jump in, you know, throw them in, you know, into the deep end, let them drown, and then pull them out at the last second, and then throw them back in, you know, be asshole GMs like we all are in our hearts. It comes down to just simply getting and working through them and asking them like, so, um, what did you hear about the game? Like, why? How did you get to my table? And it's like a, it's almost an interview, but you can't but, but you can't say no at the end of it. And so everybody brings their own point of view in. Everyone brings their own experiences in. So you got to be able to tailor, I tailor the game because the game is quite expansive. It can be fun and versatile if you're willing to work with somebody. So somebody comes in saying, "Oh, I know X movie or X series or X X source material." You can go, I can't recreate what you're wanting, but I can get you close. And then you just work with them, and then suddenly they're now engaged and interested. And hopefully because the reason why they're at your table is because they've heard your friends talk and their friends talking about it. And they'll be like, oh, shoot, this this sounds fun. This sounds interesting. And now they're coming to you, and they're excited and interested in what you're doing. And now they want to be able to inject – to put – their character into it and it's actually kind of actually interesting and more fun and but it, it all comes down to you as the game master as you as the, the host has to have a good enough a broad enough creativity to be able to take their idea and then shape it into something the rules will actually work with and it, which means you got to be mentally flexible know the rules of that well enough to be able to take a guy who has no idea what he's doing and then give him a fun character. Because I I remember the days back when I was first learning and 
I was told I have like, and I'm like, I have no idea how to play D and D. And then some guy threw a fighter at me and said, good luck. Enjoy playing the game. And honestly, that really wasn't a lot of fun because I'm a, I'm playing fighter. What do I do? Um, move around. I'm, other people are playing the game for me. Like, like I'm not actually, I wasn't able to enjoy that first couple sessions, that first campaign, because I was playing what somebody else told me to do. You need to be more engaging. Let, let's let the other person figure out what they want to enjoy and then tailor it around them a little bit to know that is to get their feet wet. So that way, when you run the next campaign, they're, they now know the rules. They now know how to do this. And they're now able to go, this is what I actually want. And then let them go. Let them have fun. That's pretty reasonable. That's very reasonable. Um, a lot of times whenever we, we have a break-in game, most of the time at the, about the third or around fifth level, I will pre-program in kind of like a, a point where if the players aren't enjoying themselves, they can they can eject out of the campaign, you know, with a, a plan like, hey, this is my last game. They just, you know, they they tell us ahead of time, I'm I'm done with this. I I, I want to focus on other things or find another group. No offense to anybody here. Yeah. But I'm just not compatible. And I try to do that around third or fifth level where I feel we should be able to break because you're gonna have some people that just aren't compatible with the group, you know, some people just yeah. They, they are toxic to one or two people or maybe the entire half the table or the whole table, and you don't know. So, like, I always try to have that. And after we have that little mini campaign, because you, you want to do something like have, like, a war or a – you, you want to do fun stuff. If, if you're a DM, you're like, I want to run during, you know, this period here. And so you run, like, a war campaign or you do, like, an investigation. And at the end of it, it's over. And you could continue with those characters if you want, but now that the players know you and your style of game, now it's time to let them play. Yeah, I mean, and let them play the way they want to. I also pre-program it like when it's a new player, like to my veteran players, the ones who've been with me for either because I do have a number of alumni slots who which I you know rotate in who's who's an alumni at the time, you know like sorry. This semester, I and you can come and jo I join in because I, you know, I want more people who are veterans to be able to play, and the t and my fellow teacher can be able to play, and we all have a bunch of fun with that. And but the thing is, is that much like how you have that level three to five entry point of like when someone goes, oh, they can drop the they, they can drop out or like we actually found more like with, with the new players, it's always the you give them about like three to four uh, three to five adventures. And then you go, are you satisfied with the character that you made, with the choice that you made? And you give them a chance to drop that character and make or make one that's more appropriate or revamp. Like, well, I wasn't quite sure what I was playing, so I'm going to revamp a few of um, my feet, feet choices, a few of my skill choices. And I'm like, this is your one chance to revamp. Give it a shot. Train wheels are off now. This is your one shot. Enjoy. And then suddenly you find players go, wait, I can do what I want. This is your one chance to 
redo your for a redo and then suddenly you know we all same characters same name same class but now they're a bit better a bit more interesting or they just drop that character entirely and come in you get to have the players feel more engaged they're more they they've learned enough to be able to play and that and you also can't just hold them by the hand and say this is the answer you're looking for open to page XXX or whatever the heck you're looking at. Just open this page. There's your solution. No, we've had to learn, and I've had to learn, that the best way to teach it is simply be look it up yourself. With all the resources that we have on the modern internet, with the way things work now, you can literally just say, go to Google, do a search, find your solution. And you know, they'll have page numbers of where to look in, what book it's in, all the solutions. And then suddenly people are able to go. And that way they're getting system mastery. They're learning the rules at the same time. Sure, I'm in the rules and I'll help them in a pinch. But but when they need to make their choices, they need an educated choice. So they need to actually read the book, learn the book, learn the manual, do it, damn it. And well, you'll have some people out there that, they we'll never do, do not it. want to look at the the manual. They'll want to look at like a web page. And, and you know what? At... Okay, go ahead. And the thing is, is that the web page is for a lot of kids who, for a lot of younger kids who don't have a lot of disposable cash, like some of us adult, like some of us who I have, like heck, um, I don't, I. For some of us, you know, the idea of, well, I went and blew, you know, $300 on a bunch of books for this manual, for this game I want to play. That's not an option for these kids. So having the digital option of like, go to a website, that's an actual valid solution because, well, you're giving people who don't have the ability to own a player's a player's handbook, an advanced player's handbook, the super advanced player's handbook, the ultimate combat handbook, the ultimate spell classing handbook, the ultimate intrigue handbook, rogue handbook, campaign handbook. Fill in the blank. Keep seeing all the ultimates in there, and the spell books, and all this, and the magic item books, and all of these, and the backgrounds, and the little campaign books, gear. All of this piles up to being a massive amount of money that we're asking kids to be able to go, um, I got to pay for a bunch of other things and I don't have this kind of money. Well, do you want to buy the PDF? Um, I, I, again, I don't have that kind of money. Like, I, I, that's still hundreds of dollars that to someone who's between the ages of 16 to 24, they don't really have that kind of free cash. So encouraging them to go look at the wikis or go look online onto the various rule forums and ruled and rule databases is not a sin. And I know a lot of us are like, oh, no cell phones, no smartphones, no nothing. But for the kids who are like, this is my spell book, this is my character sheet, this is my this is my you know my class reference document. I I have to I when I suddenly have kids who, like now mind you, as I can walk around the table and look around and go, um, hey, you're not. Turn that off. Pay more attention. Uh, turn that off. Pay more attention. Like I can at least walk around the I can walk around the table and go, hey. But but for most of them, they're actually they have their documents open. And they're you know they're working from and they're working quite well. A lot of us are are old six in the muds, and we think, well, you need to have Dedry format or go home. 
that's not an option. I mean, with, with, with newer generations, that's not quite the option anymore. Hmm. And I forget that. I do. I'm 46, and I'm. it's been, what, 25, 30 years since I've been a teenager. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I forget about those things. <clears throat> the, the thing is that you're good, you're walking around, you're, you're getting to see what everybody's looking at, much like a teacher would patrol a classroom. And between me and my co- my cohort in crime, we are the teachers of the classroom for the uh, for the sessions. And yeah, we do keep them on task. We are, and being the fact that we are the authority figures, a bit more than simply you're at my house, we can simply go um, pay more attention, or we re- or we or we re- revoke your invitation to come to the club meetings. We can do that. We have a bit more power. <laughs> Now, as for the more than an index card of gear, you've obviously not played with people who design, you know, entire wardrobe lists and keep track of all that or have equipment, friends, allies. Like some people have like multiple, like multiple index cards or reams of paper that they have written for certain characters and, and they have it for every situation. So, yeah, more than an, I, more than an index card, is a, eh, it happens. I can understand that. When Blaine plays a character, it always happens. <laughs> and Shadzer's like, I do not play with furries and cosplayers. Okay. <clears throat> hey, I've played noble characters where I have adventuring gear, off-time gear, dress uniforms, and, and the whole nine yards. You get like And servants who carry things around with me. So therefore, yeah, you have a lot to work with. Um. What was the name of that book that Margaret Weist wrote? And it was a Dragon Brigade Volume 1. I forget the, the name of the actual novel, but the novel was interesting because it was set in a Victorian-era fantasy world that had a little bit of steampunk, but a lot of magic. Or it felt like it was kind of steampunk because there was airships, but there was a ton of magic. And the book paid more attention to the f- the wardrobes and fabric of the the characters and what all the characters in the scenes were doing. It made it made so much focus on that. The only way I could I could compare it to would be the way if you ever read the book Light in the Forest, where this young man takes his child out in the forest or out in the jungle and his son goes missing, but his son gets found by a tribe of Indians and they find him and they raise him. And the father goes back every year to look for his son and he finally finds him. And as he's developing the story, this guy, the author goes through a botany course of information for the reader and if you are somebody who watches PBS and really just you can't pass by a greenhouse without stopping and just like smelling pollen and rubbing yourself with greenery and wishing you were a plant so you could gain energy from the sun, you wouldn't like this book so much because that's the level of attention to detail 
Margaret Weiss and her co-author went into on fabric and texture and cut and color for all of the characters' wardrobes. <clears throat> and you saying that, Blaine, sparked up that memory. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, but it was a little bit more description than what Bruce needed. I was pretty okay with her level of wardrobe that she used for her books for uh, Dragonlance or for the Dark Sword series. Yeah. Those were really good, but the Dragon Brigade books paid a lot of attention to the wardrobes. It was amazing. With it, It's like watching a stream with Max, and every time he says, Earth Dawn, you drink. Yeah. So... See just and the thing is, is that with different groups, you, I mean, you can get away with that. I've been in groups where, where wardrobe and attire and what things are made out of are exceedingly important. I've been in groups where, um, the fact that you just said I put on clothes today was more than enough for what the GM needed, and that's, that's all you needed to worry about, and that's okay. So, but again, that comes down to know your players, know your group. <laughs> If your group goes, uh, we don't care about a tire, you just move right on. Move right on and keep on GMing. So. He's going through the chat here. What? Hey, Jaffo of Dick's Division. How you doing, sir? Beers. Ah. Uh. By hand the tools and resources, I want to build all my tomb stuff. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so, I, yeah, you have your game, and you run like five, maybe ten adventures with the party, and usually by about adventure three to five, you've started to get a really good idea as a GM of how all the players are interacting. Hey, Cal, yeah. that's good to hear. Um, and I don't like to boot people from groups, even if I don't like them. You know, if, if somebody's consistently downing, you know, like your apartment's too small, or I don't like the way that this table's set up at the game store. If they're insulting the game space, if they're insulting to other players, I, I don't keep them at the table. That's like the only thing that like will get somebody out of the table within like two or three sessions. That's a lie. Okay. Well, I mean, if they hit on my girlfriend, because, no, 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 no. Cause I dogged your pizza every week for months and <laughs> I, I never got kicked out. Yeah. But your wife would have kicked you. Oh, true. But your it wife. was also, it's also a loaf of bread with pizza toppings. I've gotten better. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> That's funny. Earth Dawn, because I need a drink. Yes, we all do. Okay. Um, so with getting people to the table, one of the other things I, I, I like to use Discord. I like to use that because a lot of people are subscribing into... Uh, Online gaming groups. Hi, Multigun Man. It's going very well. A lot of people do this online gaming, and I'm not a super fan of it, but one of my players moved to West Virginia last year, 
we're still mourning his loss out of Texas, but he he's doing better. He's got a better ability to breathe. Texas has got a lot of great things. The one thing it has way too much of is ragweed. Yes. And that kills it for some people. And this poor is guy. That, is that what you're calling your exes now? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> we call them far worse things. Um, <laughs> but we got a lot of rag, ragweed here, and he was just miserable. And I, I'm always like, what's your problem? What's your problem? And then the other day, I mean, there were six sneezes that I had at once. And I felt like my sternum disconnected. I, I must be getting old because a sneeze kicked my ass. I don't like that. So, <laughs> I yeah. I giggle in the background. <laughs> yeah. She, she dogs me on that shit. Aha! Uh-huh. <sighs> Sneeze like three to six times. That's normal. No, no, no. This time was eight and it felt like part of my chest had separated. So I had to go sit down for a while. It wasn't funny, but I, uh, everybody does online gaming now. Not a lot of, not everybody. You have guys like John who he's like, I will not do it. I, I want an in-person group. Okay, that's fine. I wish you luck doing that in uh, Alabama, but I think it's possible. And uh, weekend trip, <laughs> yeah, weekend trip. So it's 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 interesting to hear people talk about that. But I use Discord to majority majority of my my games. I will do everything I can to get somebody set up on that. Like we've got this character from Scotland who's in our game now. Oh, Joe! And, yeah, Joe. Joe's a very young kid. He's like sixteen. So we got a curb ourselves a little bit around him he's usually oh he he, he's like this other little kid used to come game with us a 13 year old kid that we would be like you know don't say the x-rated words or content but no here's that little fucker sending everybody memes with that exact same stuff on our phones and all of our phones are going off all at once at the table damn it what the hell oh my god you're sending us that eventually he got tired of coming because he was here for two years and he enjoyed the camaraderie. He did not like the game. <clears throat> Being on YouTube, you think you'd be used to it, getting it from behind, Bruce. Yeah, I tell you what, Aunt Susan really <laughs> loves that. She loves my hairy butt. Um, yeah, but I, I use Discord. I, I think that's a really good way to, to advertise it because you're already in a group of people. You're already sharing a like something there's already a common tie mm-hmm. and if you can talk to people one-on-one or if you can talk to them like in a panel like what we have here i think this is this is how a lot of gaming is going to be from now on i don't want it to be i'd much rather it be in person but people are really like ever since the the flu came out in 2020 it's like everybody got germaphobic and that's kind of funny because I just watched this movie from 94, the original miniseries for the, the Stand, which a lot of people don't like, I found out. But I liked it. I did, too. It, it fulfilled the needs that I had. I haven't watched the new one. I don't even think I want to watch it because it's it's new. And the, everything new seems to suck. The newer one expands of more stuff in the book. Stuff that okay. they kind of 
glossed over in the original because it was broken up into three. I think they put like six or seven episodes or something like that. And it's actually, it, it, they did it justice. I will say that. Okay. So, does it have a blue oyster cult in it? Does it have what? Does it have a blue oyster cult in it? I don't remember. Ah. Yeah, that, that's kind of one of those things it needs to have. That that original opening was, a, was just magical, so. Ooh, somebody's got a Genesis version of the Warriors of Eternal Sun. Uh, <laughs> you're going to enjoy that. Yes. Rather be in bed pantless online to be able to play all the games. <laughs> well, as long as you're not, you know, tubing a stream, I, I guess you're good. Yeah, true. That's what voice. That's what voice and text are for. That's what blankets are for. Yeah. Yeah, there was a one one thing about new players. You kind of have to watch them uh, for a little bit, and once you get an idea if you know they're trustworthy or not, you know you you can start. You can, go ahead. You do have to watch them because you're not quite sure what weirdness they're going to bring to I uh, bring with them to the table, and you because certain things you can't say around certain people, and you kind of got to go because unless you're going to do an actual hardcore interview of so. So what are your beliefs? What are your interests? What are they? and at that point you're kind of putting people off who might be fun people to play with because well you're interview I mean, you're doing a hardcore interview and a personality test. I mean that tends to tell people maybe I don't want to be here. Hell, that's a red flag. It's like if you go, I'm going to show up with this gay man. Ah, uh, we don't want X Y Z and this this and this and this and I'm like trying to figure out how to escape out the door faster because i'm like uh shit you got you're this strict okay this isn't going to be a fun game but then again i've also been to i've been to tables which have been really open and i rapidly go this was also a mistake they're <laughs> way weird and then i'm also hitting the i'm also reaching for the eject handle and going okay let's pull up tight pull the eject handle and leave and so that's then, why don't come over anymore i see yeah next session <laughs> like hey are you gonna be at the next session i'm busy work so sorry so sorry well no, and, you have to pull the ejection handle there is the uh Listen, guys, I really enjoyed playing with you, but I've got a new schedule from work. Yeah, and I've done that one. I've yeah. also, I've also had one one group where I showed up for, and I literally was like, I'm going out for like they're like, hey, we're at a break. Everyone go out for like drinks and food, and I'm like, sure thing, and grabbed myself and was gone. <laughs> like that was the mistake. So, so you've literally abandoned a player group. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm because, going for scratchers and cigarettes, kids. Yep, because there's a certain point where you realize that I, when you realize that you're, you've gone into the magical fantasy world where no, this isn't what I like. It, I'm not comfortable with this at all. Bye. <laughs> Which is really weird to say because I'm, 
have an extremely weird high tolerance to most weird bullshit. So when they hit the weird bullshit meter at the top of it, I was like, oh, oh, mm, bye. Usually, <laughs> usually that that's when I just sit back, grab the popcorn, and go. What's going to happen? No, not on this one. <laughs> Normally, I'm in your boat. Normally, I'm the one who's like the captain of the weird ship boat. Not today. Not that time. So, It's like a buddy of mine. He was a bus driver who was in, in some of our games. And, and someone goes, we're all going to hell. And we're like, yes, and Force is driving us. Because he was a bus driver. But the thing here is also... In person, you know, I, I don't run into as into so weird. It's uh, so weird it hurts, or I need to be more strict. It's usually when I decide to go. Well, I've got a free Sunday. I'll try to go join a, a game online. That's when I start encountering the uh, s standards. I need them. Oh God, and leave a lot. So take care. Take care, Max. Thank you, sir. Bye, Max. Um, I, I really getting a group together. Almost, you feel like a director sometimes because you're trying to see what people can can hang out and get along well. Uh, being at a game store is almost the ideal situation. Yeah, because it's like a small little, like, almost an unspoken contract of, like, there are, of, well, you're in public, so you got to act a certain way, and that helps a lot. I'm a big fan. I used to run at a game store a lot, but you have to have it PG-13 at hardest. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you can't run at PG-13 level. Uh-huh. I don't think it really works well. I really no. don't. And hey, PG thirteen is great. It's like I'm rapidly learning that that everyone is okay with extreme amounts of violence, but you try to go go anywhere else, and the and suddenly it's the the censors come up and go, no, 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 back it off, back up, like. But I'm trying to explore interesting, you know, concepts I can teach. No, no, don't, don't. All right, don't I'll pull do back it. For now. <laughs> Which is why I dream of someday being able to find, you know, a group of action. A, a free day in my life that's not taken up, and B, adults to pull, to actually game with. So, and where I'm not having to be all PG-13. By God, but, that day will be magical. Like, like there are certain things that. I've, I've discovered, thanks to the wonders of streaming, what you can mention and what you can't mention. Yep. And had an individual in another stream talking about their fiction projects. And one of the other people in chat said, what do you write about? He's like, well, I, I have a lot of things. I have to do a little bit of Doctor Who. And then... Uh, he said something else, and she's like, "What was that?" And he's like, "I I write brony porn," uh, and that that derailed our entire chat. The entire chat was gone, and I, the, the panel. I'm I'm pretty certain 
some people were like, oh my God, how stunning and brave this person's admitting this on a, a stream. That's awesome. And other people were probably laughing. But it was, it, I, I learned this just this week, what you cannot and you can talk about, because you can talk about certain things you like, like I'm a person who prefers brunettes. And other people are like, well, I prefer blondes or I prefer whatever. And that's okay. But when you say, <laughs> I write this. No. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh God. <laughs> and so we, we watched the school bus get airborne and then sail into the side of a mountain. And I'll, I'll never forget that chat. That was, that was great. That, at that moment, that's when you put both hands in the air, lean forward. Junes is the cat who could drive a car. Uh, every time he drove a car, he wrecked. I think the um, other weird part I'm I'm discovering is that when everybody's in a group, everyone's normal or tr within reasons of normal. But the normal. problem here is is that being the guy in charge, everyone wants to talk to me in private, and that's when I find out just how weird everyone really actually is. Where it's like, hey, I got this cool idea, and in the back of my head, that's not a cool idea. Could you please stop that? Or <laughs> that's a cool idea. Never repeat that to anyone who breathes <laughs> ever again. But are you against it? No, I'm totally okay. I'm totally okay with it. But I'm okay with that. No one else here is. Not one person. So keep that between you. And you don't don't even act like you told me anything, okay? That's cool. Possible <laughs> deniability. Yeah, trust me. Like the less I know, the less I can see anyone else. <laughs> oh, you're just now catching up on chat, Bruce. I've been giggling the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and as for what is this normal that I speak of? It is this fake illusion that everyone puts upon themselves so that way we can all hide the fact that we all have some horrifying dark kings that we should never talk about in public. Ever. Exactly. Ever. Ever. But don't worry. Everyone has it. as Everyone has at least one, if not more. And the less anyone talks about it, the better. <laughs> uh, I just... I, I just discovered that having Siri read brony porn to you <laughs> is quite possibly the funniest wow. thing you'll ever do in your life. <laughs> and <laughs> you, it, it was better than having Gilbert Godfrey's little video from iFunny or uh, whatever it was where he read the, the Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh God! Yeah. And he takes the thumb and goes around and around. Trust me, I would like to not fake normal. I would just, but you know, I don't want to get thrown out of school. So therefore, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that if, if you must explore, go for the go for the exploration all the way. Do something horrible, deviant. And and that way, no, it's not a pony porn po poster. It's a different flag behind that flag. Well, no, he he's, he says he's accusing you of having a Pennsylvania behind that poster. Oh, Matt, no, no, 
No. Okay. No. Okay. So, and, and and by the way, don't ever talk about brony porn to your first-time player. You'll oh, never God. see them again. <laughs> or oh, worse. Yes. Or worse. They'll suddenly go, oh, you're a brony too? Oh, crud. <laughs> and now you've opened a door of like you can't close like you open the Pandora's box door, you can't close it again. Because okay. they put their foot in like a used car dealer. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I have your attention now. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, I do. If you no. want to see if you want to see the greatest thing ever, Google Betty White, I'm still hot. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. The reflection of Blaine's glasses will be priceless. <laughs> no, he's writing it down so he'll look at it later. Just like so I just understand it now. Picking notes for the future. Ready to go? Nope. No, it's actually not bad. It's actually it, it's a song that she did. It's actually pretty damn good. Okay, as long as it's not like the song that. Uh, Natalie Portman tried to rap about eight nope. or ten years ago. That was horrible. Betty actually raps very well within it. <laughs> it's actually pretty damn amazing. I'm not well in the head either, so it's okay. But see, everyone loves Carol. Do you know why? Because she has cookies. Yes, very nice. We all dearly do love Carol's cookies. <laughs> oh, yeah. biscuit too. oh my yes so <laughs> damn <laughs> you know as long as it's not a hundred naked photos of B. Arthur from her holiday special outfit I'll be happy I can't strike that from my memory <laughs> <sighs> you know, I'll I'll start looking to do that for you, but sure. Yeah. Hmm. Carol's thing is goggles, by the way. The goggles, they do nothing. The goggles, the goggles stay on. The goggles do nothing. I after we get these new people to the table, we're playing them uh, with the rest of the group. They've integrated. Uh, at what point does the newness wear off of them? Hmm. Honestly, it's different by certain people. Some people are quiet and they and they act all. But the I think there's a certain point where you just know that they are no longer new. Like you just can just feel it. Some people are just always going to be that new guy and you're just going to be like, God damn it. Whenever they talk and you just got to deal with that. But sometimes that I think the, the point where I stopped, where, I, where you pull a tra the training wheels off of them and let them go and then crash into a tree at their own will is the point when they when they start to quote rules back at you or make or make I mean, make intelligent questions as if, as if they're planning something 
and that's when you know that they are no longer that fresh newbie that you're like, oh, isn't he cute? I could punch him in the face. It'll be great. But that point when they're just like, so, hey, GM, I got a question about this rule here. All right, go ahead. And then they ask you, and then you have a little interaction. And then like a half hour later, oh, yeah, that thing I asked you about, I'm going to go do that. Or, hey, this rule this, – how this – What's your read on this? And that's when you go, you're no, your water wings come off now. Push. <laughs> Into the deep end. Good luck. But I wasn't ready. No, you're ready. Good luck. And yes, always be, be one of the planners. There used to be a running gag on one of my old groups, and that's quite literally – a purple rock joke where somebody asked me once, can I have a purple rock? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's purple rock. Go ahead. And then he, he literally had a 12 step plan that went from working his way up to ultimately requiring a purple rock to hit, to, to make it all work. Well, I didn't realize that he had already, but he asked me all the steps out of order. And when he put the whole thing together, it turned out to be the purple rock was the key item. And if he had, and if I had seen the whole thing and it's complete, in its completeness, I would have said no to the, to the Purple Rock, but he asked the Purple Rock first before I had any clue what was coming. And that taught me you must always beware of plotters and planners because, well, I was young and he broadsided me, and I still hold that as a grudge 22 years later. <laughs> wow. Ne never, ne ne always beware when when Curtis starts asking questions too, because this usually means someone's either getting drunk, dead, or something else. <laughs> it, it, it never fails in a game. Yeah, <laughs> I still, I still, I still like that that comment of Shad's so. though. The joke that he declared that Bruce is Doctor Scratch and Sniff. Blaine is pinky, and Garrett is brain. I can live with that. I can deal with it. Yeah. I'm around with I that. Can, I can fully deal with having a, a serious question being responded with a completely inane answer, and that being mine. I can live with that. If he starts going wrong, going, narf, we've got an issue. Hey, the important thing is, is that it's usually pinky who saves everything in the anyway, so it works. Pinky's actually the smart one. <laughs> I I haven't watched Pinky and the Brain since '96. They just had a new season last year. In the last year, first of this year. Actually, for the question of about players that read between the lines because the GM forgot something. I actually kind of reward and encourage that because if I gave you information and they're able to put together a plot point that I hadn't talked about or remembers that something that I had said later down the road, like maybe five, six sessions on the road, and they go, hey, what about this? At that point, I go, you took notes. You remember details. Have a have a gold star and a few and a few nice little pats in the head and some rewards in character. Good for you. Here, here's your new card, your your new index card with your stuff. 
It's got some nice <laughs> stuff on it. Why? Because I'm rewarding you for taking notes. The rest of you, take notes. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said about a, a game system that allows you to put all your information on a 4x6 index card. All of your character information, not your equipment, but just the things about you that you need to keep pertinent. The uh, Tiny RPG, I think, is the one that I know of that does that pretty well. Learn to uh, write really, really small. <laughs> well, the the one I like a lot is Swords and Wizardry. Okay. But you could do any of the first edition OSR clones or uh, old school essentials, any of those. Those could be just fine. Because most of those old games only require to have your saving throws, your ability scores, and that's it. Hey, if you could fit your entire character on one of these, that's fantastic. Now, the equipment, I think, is good to write equipment on index cards. And at the table, if you've got a in-person gaming group, if you can hand out that, that's great. That is nice. Then we have the the one person that writes down everything. Yes. Who was that with, uh, with our group uh, for the part timers, Garrett? That was that Roberto. Yeah, that was Senor Roberto. Senor Roberto. Yeah, he was he was really good about that. Uh, Shadzar yeah. is for those of you guys that don't know. Shadzar, <laughs> he bought a. Sickening amount of of Hero Quest, and unfortunately, the current shipping "quote unquote" crisis has got it to where they're talking about when things will be delivered. He got a shipping update for one of his threes. One of his three. It's crazy. Hero tier got fucked. He says. They're actually putting out the Mythic Tier first look of the shipping updates, which that's probably not good. Parrothead says, I have a buddy when he was younger, played a game with uh, modern weapons, and DM warped him to a fancy game and then took away their guns. Now see, that's just being a dick. See, yeah. See, I, the, the, the game that I really like, but no one really plays it around here anymore, I need to do some digging to see if I can try to get that rolling is Morrow project because mm. that you can you can actually it, it's literally your survival game yeah you're in, yeah. A, you're in a bolt hole you you've got your equipment that you were that you were put in stasis with and then boom and you That's can fun. even use landmarks right where you're at yeah and yeah. Just to wait on Twilight 2000. I really am. Oh, well, you could break out Moral Project or Metamorphosis Alpha, or there's a Siege Engine. Uh, the people who make Castles and Crusades Troll or Games, they have a uh, game like that where you are on a large ship with different habitats all over the craft, and you have to figure out how to survive. It sounds like a really good game. Man of War, Neighbor of the Beast is another one that got really big into the, the hero quest. Update for one of three mythics before the stream started. Shit. 
Um, Parrothead says the DM did not take away their guns, and he was the only one who caught that, including the DM. <laughs> no, the DM didn't take away their guns, and he was the only one who caught that, including. Okay, so the DM didn't catch; he took away their guns. Damn it! Uh, that I thought initially that was dickish, but looks like there might have been some miscommunication. Um, oh, that would have been more okay. Yeah, campaign be fun to play. I don't know. The, there's there's uh, elegance in being able to to have a game that doesn't have a whole lot of bookwork, but there's also times where you do want heavy amounts of bookwork. It just all depends on what game you're running and what it, mood you're it, in. Well, yeah, exactly. What mood are you in? What what do you want to play today? And that's kind of where that goes. Uh, go ahead. And sometimes you do have to worry about having um, what you what, you as a GM want and what the rest of the what the players want. And sometimes you got to tailor the fact that you may want to like. I may decide that one day I want to run a very rules light, story focused um, game, and then I'm told by everybody else, no, they want to play, they want to keep playing Pathfinder, they want to keep playing Dungeons and Dragons, and at that point. You just kind of go, Welp, I guess I I can either tell everyone else to go screw themselves and do and do what I say because I'm the GM, or I gotta adapt what I want to their I to their desires. If they want a crunchy rule system with levels in it, we're gonna play a crunchy rule I game engine with rule I with with levels in it. That's what we're gonna do. And we're going to have fun. And I'm going to make the game tolerable for me and playable for them because at the end everyone has to enjoy having fun that's bad i saw his name and i'm sitting here the only thing that went through my brain all of a sudden was everything is awesome <laughs> hey awesome one i i, I don't know discussion or a discussion piece about paranoia one of the best rpgs out there if you want a one-shot game yep yes for those of you that yep. don't know about paranoia it's a game where you typically will have six clones of each player or each player character you have six clones you can buy more if you need to but for right now the computer has woken you up and it informs you that the computer is your friend. And you're to hang out with these people and achieve some jobs. If you can achieve some jobs for the computer, then maybe your clearance will raise. If you can raise your clearance, you're a better friend to the computer than the other people. The computer is <laughs> your friend. He says so. Also, the computer tells you you have a slight mutation. Here's what your mutation is. And then the computer says all mutants must be destroyed. Oh, by the way, you're also a member of this secret guild. Any guilds or fraternal orders are against the law. The computer does not like lawbreakers. <laughs> it is a wonderful buddy fucker of an RPG. And once yeah. you die, they howitzer your clone into your place so you can continue playing. <clears throat> yeah. I already... I don't own it anymore, but I used to own human-occupied landfills, so. 
You should always trust friend computer. The Zalord. Oh no. The Black Dog Game Studios Crown Project Human Occupied Landfill. Yep. Which was a 96 or 97 release. And I think it was a little earlier than that, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Had fun skill names like putting sharp items that uh, putting sharp items into things that scream and bleed. It was a skill name. It's like that game was barely playable if you tried. It was a great read, but barely playable. Yeah, they didn't do a lot of playtesting on that. No, but the layout and the layout and design work was phenomenal. Yeah, it, it looked sharp. Your hit your internet hiccup, Bruce. My internet hiccup. Yeah, your quality just went. Yeah, yours just did too. Blaine's is still sharp. Mine's mine's sharp on mine. So I don't know. Interesting. Okay, so we've just we're at the hour mark, and we've discussed uh, various ways to integrate players into the table. Uh, I would I would say use Discord or a, a live gaming group, or a, a game store if need be. It's a wonderful place to meet people. Probably not the best place to run a game, but if you if you want to get quote unquote street cred with the local gaming scene, running at a, at a store never is going to hurt it. You're just going to help increase their profits. Also, stores are great for first contact, where you, we get to first meet a player. Because they'd at least play nice for a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's a good place to to get in touch with people and to if you can get on the game store owner's good side, if if you can become an acquaintance of theirs or <laughs> or somebody who's trusted by them. Uh, Garrett, how long did you how long were you a key holder at the store in Washington? couple three years yeah you get you get to trusting with a to the trust mode with a game store owner and you can run games well into the evening oh yeah or you can help mine the store you can help them develop even more profits more sick obscene profits and you want to do that because if you don't have a game store that's local to you you're going to be stuck with amazon or mail order and internet play, which those are not bad options, but it's preferable to have a game store close by. It really is. My issue is that. Hey, Garrett, how many nights did we were, I were there till like dawn? So. Oh, God. Several. Yeah. More than one. And yeah. it usually involved going next door to the bar for a little bit, then coming back. That was the we go over to uh, have a drink and a shot, come back and play more. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very much the case. Man, there's a name I haven't seen in forever. Get into a Polish Jake, uh, joke off with John Wisniewski. John used to be the game store owner in Decatur, Illinois, for Beyond Hobbies and Games. And then he went into some other vocation after he closed that store. But that was one of the more successful stores Decatur ever had. 
there was a lot of people that there was one guy indicator. He opened up four stores. They lasted for three months each or it felt like it. And his claim to fame was he had a lot of judges guild material. <clears throat> it was bad. Mm -hmm. uh, TW. Appreciate you being here. I haven't seen you in a while. I just remembered that. Yeah, John John was a hell of a game store owner. He he did pretty well. Him and I went up to to Fort Wayne for the Chessex convention when it was Chessex before it became Alliance. And that was interesting because I got to meet some big movers and shakers. That was in 97, right after Random House had tried to buy TSR. And TSR was financially waxed. They were in the middle of their Planescape stuff and trying to push product, product, product. And then here's this big book publisher saying, we're going to take your company. We're going to fix it for you. And TSR tried to stay independent and they succeeded, but they were financially weak. Financially weak at that. And so they, uh, he emailed me, cool. Um, <laughs> it wasn't long after that the Wizards of the Coast popped up and said, we have this little game called Magic the Gathering. Would you like us to help you out? And I didn't think it would be the best thing. I, I was rather sad. But, man, it was different. Well, I'm just happy that one little part of TSR got bought out and is still being produced, so. Yeah. Which, which is Dragon Dice. Wait, that's still around? Oh, yeah. They're still... They, they had tournaments at Gen Con this year. Okay. I was in a Someday couple. I need to play that game. Just once to see what it's like. It's fun. All right. I have to find all my dice. and I mean, I've got two huge bags. That... That's, that's the negative right there. Oh. Yeah, you, you have a good edition of a game come out for four, six, or ten years. And then a new version comes out that is not as friendly or compatible. And you've got to convince the store owner to keep letting you run the old stuff. Which is funny because Pathfinder 2 has been a thing since 2019 or 18. And I'm just now starting to see it get a little bit of discussion and play well, well at, least with, at least with my group when we i we were resistant as heck to, to do pathfinder 2 until the advanced the advanced players handbook arrived and then we were like okay they're finally adding in the things that we were all missing and then we actually like bothered to look at the book and slowly went well this isn't terrible and we're still testing it. It's only been testing it for about a year now, but it's been a slow test. And because it's, it's taken take that long to earn our trust. And we're still on the on the fence about it because we because we know what the problems are now. But we're not ready to just throw it in the dumpster, but we're also not ready to embrace it openly yet. Yeah. Uh, like I said, go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. No, I give me a second. What's up, Gummy? How you doing, bud? I forgot to turn off my events. Please right. alert, alert roll through. 
There we go. That addition kills people. No. <laughs> I like I like a lethal game. I prefer a lethal game. I wish <clears throat> I wish the GMs that were local to me would run a more lethal version of fifth edition than what I'm hearing about. I go to a game so store. Say again. Yeah, it's, hard, it's so hard to kill anybody in fifth. And Pathfinder too. It's fucking. It, it's damn near impossible. Well, the thing is, is that the the one that I'm doing now, which is the uh, Stargate SG One, is based off of the fifth edition SRD or Open Gaming, whatever. They've changed some stuff in it, so you know, like the Zats are in there, stuff like that's in there, and it's basically, you know, it's. You know, they get the fourth level to get two. Uh, they bump everything up by two. They, yeah, it. I enjoyed it. You know, there, there's only a couple things in it. And when I get to that in that presentation, I'll go over that, which I didn't enjoy. But for overall, the it, it was actually pretty good. I mean, the advantage, disadvantage is in there. Eh, I can I can live with that. And but I mean overall it's I mean there, there's just one mechanic in there that makes no sense and shouldn't be used at all. <laughs> yeah, I've just I've not heard of a lot of people discussing what they like about Pathfinder 2. I I don't I don't hear a lot of that. There's there's some people out there that really enjoy it, like uh, GM Fritz from uh, one of our affiliates at the uh by the gatekeepers, but he's one of the few GMs I know that likes to run that game. Everybody else says Pathfinder 2 is a little too intensive for what a game should be. There's too many switches you have to toggle in order to keep a game going, and then you have to remember to toggle those off when the event ends. Otherwise, another event will start, and the players are at severe negatives, because last time you guys were in an adventure, you were in a burning room. Your con should be restored by two points out of 12. What? We took 12 points of con damage? Yes, it was smoky, remember? God. You know, and it just, it sounds like people don't like the book work. Yeah. I mean, that that was my issue with it. Like I said, I, you know, I ran, ran that first module and I'm like, you're shitting me. It had, had with a fire method inside, there was burning, you know, they had to get people out deal with smoke inhalation plus they had to fight the method and, and, and they were all first the first level that's dumb and it was a piezo module which it makes it even worse it, it was it, it, it I of course almost feel like I've, I've done the right thing when you're looking at an actual piezo module <laughs> Well, the the other thing is is that I've also noticed going back and kind of remembering is that when we were running uh, Bruce's stuff uh, and Bruce was running modules, he had to, he moved some stuff around with some of those low level modules because for whatever reason they cannot write a low level low level module to save their life. That's pretty normal. It, it was hard for them. To do that, I don't know why. I, I couldn't yeah. tell you. It's real easy. You, you 
throw some orcs, you know, some first level orcs in there, hobgoblins, some goblins, a few bandits. Yeah, a few bandits. Yeah, I mean, it's not really that big of a of an issue to pull that stuff in. So it's just kind of like, what's going on? Yes, GM Dalkov. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's complaining about Dragon Dice there. Carl, <coughs> that edition kills people. Shh. Oh wow. Yeah, Indigo, uh, you may want to subscribe to Baron G-Rock because he's doing an entire dissertation almost chapter by chapter on uh, Stargate SG-1 RPG. Yep. TW, I'm looking for your email and... There is... There is GM Alcove. Yes, GM's Alcove and uh, GM Fritz on Twitch. He's really good. Oh, that's crazy. Becomes classes six level. Okay. Not a lot of extended for non-combat encounters, which is great. And then there's the uh, there's my YouTube link. If you have Twitch, and that's my Twitch. Nice. Okay, so we have on to the next item on my my list here. Garrett, to keep players, what do you usually do as a GM? Bribery. Bribery. Okay, you mean like no. No, uh, yeah. Well, it's like it's like, the, and I'm sure you remember this because I think you were in this game. The first one I ever ran, I think so, was my was the three o three five World of Warcraft. Yeah, no, I missed it was that. A one. lot of fun. I had eleven people at the table. Oh, I'm really regretting I made, that one. I, 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 well, it, it kind of went downhill real super quick when one person who was a goblin decided he was going to use the gnome as his mount and he would grab onto her bright pink mm-hmm. ponytails to, as steering device. And he, and he had me print out the, uh, get and print out the Ferengi rules of acquisition because that's how he played the character. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Man. I forgot about Sean doing that. Yeah. And it didn't last too long because it was just as a new DM, it just was just too much. It was a little it overwhelming. And you know, then I got back into the foray. I started doing some smaller games and stuff like that. But I mean, typically if you I find that if You've got a good story, and you've got players that are willing to play instead of play around. That typically you don't really need to worry about that retention 
uh, and that you know basically you know they'll, they'll keep you, you you always leave them wanting more so they just keep coming back every once in a while they'll bring a friend with them and and Chad keeps misspelling my name but that's okay I will throw things at it it's, it's you know I've misspelled your last name for years that's fine but yeah it, it's two T's two R's two T's okay but anyways the, uh, but yeah the uh but the thing is is that you know like I said typically retention at the table is not a huge uh huge thing but you know there are times where you know you get into into kind of the you know the the robotic okay choo-choo train has started they see the choo-choo train they want to get off the train and the train keeps snatching them back onto the train and they get a little meh, and then they try to go that is one thing about chad's art he spells like a programmer god bless the programmer but you give him an english like a, book no 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 he spells like a preschooler no 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 programmers are worse than preschoolers preschoolers try Programmers, the keyboard didn't get it. Fuck it. <laughs> and he, but yeah, I mean, that—that's basically how how I do, deal with retention, basically of, of players. Is that you know it typically isn't isn't something I really need to worry that I worry and need to really crack down on. Um, I only worry about it because like lately this past year. With the uh, pandemic going on, it seems like with all the people that had to change their schedules, half my table disappeared. And I'd been running that table for three years with seven to eight people per session. Now, you know, others have left and that's that's fine. You do that. You have people drift in and out. But the main thing is that I, I'm always looking for a group that can work together and not buddy fuck itself. I, I mean, you're going to have like the, the rogues are predisposed to fuck with other players throughout the entire campaign. No, they, they can just do that. No, they can just do that. You know, like I take Jimmy's coin purse. What? D don't say that at the table aloud, please. And you have to teach them a little bit of decorum and such. But Never say it. the quiet part out loud. It's the first rule. Yeah, Bruce tried to try try to get uh, people to uh, to keep you know like little kids trying to steal my coin purse. Yeah. So so my mo was well, I'm a cleric. My coin purse is in my is in my cod piece. I will know if it gets taken. There's a Catholic joke in that somewhere. Oh, there is, but I'm not making it. <clears throat> I just okay. <laughs> While we drive past the obvious, no, I I was uh it, it it in keeping the rogues like in the old days it felt like you had to police the rogues more with, with the game. To Come on, guys, be a party, be a party. Don't don't fuck over everybody. Don't steal everybody's fucking heirlooms. God damn it. And they 
that was like my biggest problem for like the first five to 10 years of being a GM after I got out of the military. It was just pain in the butt trying to keep everybody to, together. Stop, fu- stop fucking everybody, you know, stop, stop, stop trying to seduce everybody at the goddamn table. We all know you're, you're open. That's great. <clears throat> but it was a, it was just a pain in the butt to try to get, find a group that meshes together. And when you have that, when you have a group, that they're together so long they start celebrating their birthdays together they become they go from being table compadres to best friends that's kind of where there's this magical realm for you to have and it won't last you're going to have that table split up at some point but you know you you have things that happen go ahead the part is that if you have a table like that, where everyone's so connected, and that's and it does, it will break up. It never ha- it, it as long as you have them as like on instant messenger or email, or you can Skype them later. It's often fun because you can actually like message them out of the blue and go, "Hey, so and so, I need you to." Could, here's the situation that's happening. How would you handle this if you were? near the table like like another person and suddenly you you have a hidden co-gm that you didn't know about and that your players have never met like that your current mm-hmm. players have never met and now suddenly they're going well <clears throat> of course it's just one of blaine's npcs i could just go up there and go do this i do this one little act to him and it'll be no problem i'll walk right through it at which point i kind of go one moment and i hit speed dial and go, okay. And then I follow the battle plan that was sent to me by somebody else going, oh yeah, there's, they're going to do this and screw with this. Here's how you kill them and, and obliterate them. And they go, huh? What? I'm sorry. You went after somebody who was actually a player character like you, but they're not at the table. That doesn't mean a damn fucking thing. They're players. They never quit being players. And, or now you get to have a little bit more, a alternate take on things. I have my way of playing. I have my way of running and how I, and you can think how, and you can outsmart me, but can you outsmart somebody else who's playing the op four? Who's not me at that point. I become judge. I am judge and jury. I'm not executioner <laughs> and let the, and let somebody else um, play op four. And that's fantastic because now it's players going, wait, I got to outsmart another player. Yeah. And they've got agendas. They've got goals. They've got characters they've built. And now it's it, the encounter is a whole lot more interesting because there's now actually some interplay happening and they can't outsmart. They, they can't just go, you wouldn't punch me. I'm your best friend. This guy's ever met you. He'll shank you in an alley and then throw your body in a dumpster and then light it on fire because that's what he does. That's what you guys do. Congratulations. You've met your equals. And suddenly they're like, oh, crud. And the thing is that they know that I've been GMing long enough. I have a Rolodex of former player characters that I can just call up at any point. I can go, oh, hey, I need some. I have like three people on speed dial if it's a, if it's an intrigue plot going on or if it's a political plot going on or if it's a mage plot going on or whatever I want. I've got players that I can just call up and go, hey, you're still my best friend, right? Here's the situation. How would you handle this? And suddenly – it's a whole lot. It, it makes the game a whole lot better. So it's always good to make your best friends and know that when they're gone, there's still a resource for you. 
I think the best game I ever saw is that there was a GM who was running on Tuesday and Wednesday in the same world. And basically what he he wound up doing is he met both of them on a Wednesday night, had one group in one room, one group in the other room, and come to find out they were having a space battle over a ship. <laughs> so he would literally go and do round and then go into the other room do do the you know the other round of what happened and then you know the the rebuttal basically and it totally blew the both both uh parties' minds because they were used to the GM's tactics right now they're dealing now they're dealing with tactics of people sitting at another table yep and my best one I ever had was I called five five old players up they all made characters and so there was the main campaign and in the background there was this, there was this, like a battle royale bloody conflict going on between high level characters who are just blowing up towns and stuff in the background the whole party's just going what's going on can you tell me what's going on here and here's me and here's me the gm going i have absolutely no idea what anyone has planned all i know is that there's a fight going on about three counties over that's going to end up with a town disappearing off the map what happened? Two wizards went at each, I went at each other. Well, why? Because they hate each other. What more do you need? And they're all having a fight over who's going to get an artifact. And it's this great, wonderful thing. And then ultimately, like one day, the party goes, "We're gonna go chase, chase after one of these people because obviously an interesting NPC." And then I'm like, "Do you won't want to do that? Why? Because that player's gonna eat you." But go <laughs> ahead, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I think that the time where I let somebody be an associate GM, he had career game to go finish up his master's up in Utah. And we were still playing through the Slumbering Czar saga, which I will never not love that adventure. That particular night he returned, and that was the night where the D&D players were saying, we're going to take on this tar dragon outside the city. The tar had an unusual quality to where it had an acidic base to it and it would stick to your character for about 12 to 18 seconds. Long enough for him to get another breath in and exhale it on the party. <clears throat> there was eight players. One of them was a monk of the Zen Archer order, whatever it was. That that miserable archetype that kind of bends the yeah. missile bow and arrow combat in Pathfinder in third edition, 3X, is already broken as fuck. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do longsword damage to you from 300, 400 feet away. Whack. But then, this monk has the ability to burn key points and do multiple attacks to you. And it was pretty ruthless. It was, it was rough. So, I'm letting, I'm letting Gob take care of the dragon because he wants to play, but he doesn't have a character. Let me play the dragon. Go ahead, man. Here's the stats for it. It's like two pages of stats for this dragon. It's a CR 15. No, yeah, it's a CR, it's a CR 12, my bad. And the party goes up to it. They're all eighth level. And there's a giant moat pit of tar they're wading through. It's about calf or knee deep if you're human, waist deep if you're gnomish or halfling. And all of a sudden, the deep part of the moat ripples a little bit and the dragon pokes his head out of it 
pretty effortlessly because he doesn't have to worry about sticking to the tar. He, he's got the druidic ability to where he just slides through tar. Wee! He pokes his head up out of the tar and belches on the party. And the monk rolls a natural one, so he's stuck with everybody else. And the dragon slides up to him in the next round of combat, sunders his bow. And that four out of eight players died. Like beyond 20 hit points below hip below zero. And in Pathfinder, that's pretty that's rough. Bad. Yeah. Uh because that's it was bad. in the tar pit, the, the characters had to go back to town and get resurrected or wished. <sighs> hey Mohammed. And we we have we have a uh, a party that's like really pissed at the dragon, and it's about eleven o'clock at night. Hour left at the store, and the owner comes up to us and says, "You guys can stay here late. Gob's got the key. Cool." So we all stick around till about five a.m. And they had a TPK on their second attempt, and on the third, they finally killed the dragon, but. They burned through their entire winnings up to 10th level. Everybody had a sizable amount of money, like 200000 in a guild bank somewhere. And they went through almost all of it, trying to keep themselves alive and equipment in one piece. It was so much a slog. And for that player that came back, I think that was probably the happiest he's ever been. <laughs> I don't blame his old co-workers and, and conspirators at the table because he went off to college and he comes back. Yeah, I'll play. I'm going to be uh, the DM's friend, though. And it, we did that till about 5 a.m. I miss I, I miss that group. They they were fun. Sounds Some like them, it. Say again? Sounds like it. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely... Uh, you have you have one of those tables that we played together for about two years, and I wouldn't say we all were friends, but we knew each other's birthdays. Half of us would go to the movies together. The other half was their kids, and we're not taking you shits to the movies. It cost well, it cost us money to go there. No. And so that was that was interesting. There was like three kids out of five and five adults, plus myself. And and watching that party go through that slog that night, I was I was chewing on coffee grounds by the end of it. As you should. It was it was good. Hold on here. Oh wow. Shadzar. Wow. There's there's Mahavis. DW's been in that dungeon before. <laughs> Say that word, Blaine. Not this time. <laughs> and not this time either. Yeah. As much as I like to talk about politics, when it comes to gaming, I try not to because. I want to keep a table. I want to. I, you don't have to respect me as a person, but as a person who runs a table, I do ask for a little bit of respect there. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I think it's important that you you kind of foster friendships at the table. I think I think that's something that you want to do because you're going to be spending six or five hours with people at an average to where you're going to get to know people. And and yeah. just as a as a gentle reminder, if you're in person gaming, do not forget your deodorant. Right. Don't don't disrespect everybody by going there freshly out of your landscaping job or sanitation job and smell like it. Don't do that. Go home, invest time in a shower, scrub. My streams, by the way. And by the way, we'll let's talk about Duke Cannon soap, heavy duty hand soap. <laughs> a good promise to it. This is a big ass brick of soap. Listen, not everybody needs this, okay? Not everybody needs a Cadillac either, but they're god damn it, they're fun and comfortable to drive. And this this is a super lathering soap brand. You guys, people, you want a brand of soap that's gonna last you a month. This thing lasts you a month, okay? This is a 28 millimeter miniature. Look at that big ass brick of soap. That thing's fucking huge. Seven dollars at uh, most stores gets you a Duke Cannon bar of soap. They have Lone Star soap, which it smells like the shavings from a guinea pig cage. I don't really think that's great, but it, they have it. They have other beer soaps too. They have a PBR soap. They have a bunch of stuff on Duke Cannon's website. I recommend it. Carol's Cookies hits one out of the park with don't be the smelly dude at the table. Exactly. Don't be the one that we know you didn't shower. We can smell you. Don't be that guy. Don't. Right. Um, respect your fellow gamers. You don't have to kiss everybody's ass, but go there at least not smelling like work. That's that's a big takeaway. Um, and if you're going to a convention, if, if you are going to a convention, you, if you're staying a night, Stay at a hotel. Don't sleep in the anime room. I God, wouldn't recommend that. You people do it. Anyway, yeah, Duke Cannon is what Bruce carves his minis out of for that fresh gun barrel smell. Oddly enough, they they do have something that smells like you're in Texas. They have the gun smoke soap, <laughs> which it smells like charcoal briquettes and gunpowder. It's really weird. <laughs> And Cal, Cal's right. We never spoke of politics back in the satanic panic times. We were too worried about getting blown up by the Ruskies, you know, and then the table would talk about that. And there's, there's the boogeyman for you, but you wouldn't talk about politics. Typically that just wasn't it. Uh, Curtis says, if you can make friends at the table, the players, it, it becomes more fun and you, you want, you want to, uh, be good to each other at the table because in all honesty, you might have like one of those moments where you're three hours in a game and you're in the middle of a dungeon, but there's an Arby's across the street and you really want some. If you're broke or short of cash, one of the players probably won't mind floating you four or six dollars so you can fill your belly up and be able to continue. I hate being the guy at the table that I get hangry if I don't have calories. As long as you pay him back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if, if you bum, reciprocate. Pay him back or, you know, wash their car or help them. But just be decent fucking people to each other, right? Why are we, why are we having to say that to people as a request? That should be just common sense. It should be just common sense. But some people are very selfish and they don't want to think of others 
or they don't want to think that somebody else could have the same low as they did, not knowing the other person. And that, you know, you're going to develop conversation. The the gaming is 90% of gaming is bullshitting at the table. doesn't have to always be, but you guys are going to get to know each other pretty well after the first month of table time. <sighs> That's a nice color for a silencer on a gum barrel, says uh, Cal. T uh, Travis says, clever marketing. <laughs> gamers. Can I get a Bonanza soap for that Ponderosa pine smell? Ooh, that'd be nice. Here, here, I'm going to paste in uh, what my chat has said. Uh-oh. Oh, no. And uh, from NZTNT. We just summoned demon to eliminate politicians, and we are needed again as ice bees needed. Uh, give a handy, you know, just be nice. <laughs> Carol. <laughs> we have some ponderosa pines here at lower altitudes. Yeah, uh, I do like East Texas for that. Avatar, you have, with all that small and my power, you'll... Screw you with all that... With all smell, you uh, smell my power, and you will love it. Soap is bad. <laughs> no, no. Cal, Cal's like, I grew up on a cattle ranch. Hell yeah. I, yeah. I did not, but I value cattle very much. And Carol apologizes. She says she's terrible, but we know she's going to do it again, and we love her for it. Um, yeah, he the, the gentleman who, who I... Pasted that in from he he's a very good friend of mine from New Zealand, and ah. uh, yeah, he was an extra in uh, the Lord of the Rings. He was one of the orcs, so that was cool, dude. That's rocking. That is. I heard that they had like a couple days where they took the orc extras and they had them mimic walking back and forth with a horse riding stance, kind of just ambling about this room, just going back and forth and then saying, how would a person think if they walk like that? And they did some pretty impressive body posturing and movements and such. That movie still it's still a very nice classic, actually just hit classic status. I think the two towers. <sighs> ISU getting to know the players now. It's just better. You know, if your table rotates a lot of people in and out, you really don't want to get to know them all because you have a phone full of people that are just saying, I wish you'd play it this time, and you have life to deal with. No, I have these eight hours of the week I can deal with, and I can't give any more. And if you're able to run weekly, that's great for you. That, that really is. If you're running four or five times a week, I question your sanity, but if you have that time and you have that, that's great. Um, I wish I could run weekly, but my my players and my schedule, it does not allow that. <sighs> hey, Man of War, you have a, uh, a restful night. Get some serious rest, and good luck on the PT tomorrow. I I don't envy you on that. No. Me either. Cal's like, I'm in coastal California. Parts of that area, parts of coastal California are beautiful. Not all of California, mm -hmm. but most of California is. Northern northern part of California is beautiful. I, I could go back up towards Mount Shasta, Paradise area. That that was great. I could hang there again. 
it really didn't feel that different from where we were at in Peoria. Just you have mountains. But now we've we got the bluffs, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett, is there anything you want to add on with with bringing new people in the game? Is there I, I know your brain's always thinking. It's always churning. What have you got? I mean, truthfully, I mean, the the big thing is is that if you it depends on the the group you're trying to attract. If you're trying to attract, you know, because even as a GM, you want to attract. I'm going to say a certain type of player, or you know, a certain age group to your table. Because maybe you don't want to deal with, you know, kids, or you don't PG want to 13, deal with yeah. the, or maybe you don't want to deal with the with the old for, you know first ed you know or Thacko players that where they're you know the the wizards that sitting in the corner going, you know, wait 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 wait, what what don't what talk to me until I'm fifth level. What what if you want <laughs> to have a uh, a guy like Carl? At your table, and he devours the pie. <laughs> I blame you for all that. <laughs> we had this guy at our table. Okay, no, no, no. Little... I, yeah. I do it. I, I, I tell this story much better. So we had a New Year's party at the game store, and there was a little uh, mom and pop uh, grocery store about a block down, and basically we. You know, we went down there, grabbed some food. Well, I grabbed, you know, like two or three pecan pies. I'm like, you know, it's New Year's. We'll just do this. <laughs> so Carl gets his pie, slices it in half. And we're like, oh, he's going to carve up the pie. No, no. He scoops out half the pie in his hands. He takes this and then... Folds it in half. He unhinges the jaw. Oh, now the man had a beard down to like here. Oh, unhinges no. the jaw. Starts to feed in the pecan pie. The little gnomes are out there coming out of his beard, helping to shove this pie into his face. And one of the the ladies who were there turns to him and goes, "Carl, why don't you use a plate?" And, and Carl, you know, he had some breathing issues. He goes, my mom has been trying to get me to use a plate for 40 years. It hasn't worked yet. That was that was something interesting about Carl because he would always, he would just cross a room and he had breathing problems. And he, I was so happy that none of our game stores had stairs. Yes, very happy. But yeah, it was literally, you know, the little gnomes come out and, and are helping to feed in this they, pie. They grab, they grab the crumbs of the pecan pie crust <laughs> and they force it into his pie hole. And they, they continue to pump away. And you can see his jaw moving, chugging like a steam locomotive. And it was starting to get like sweaty from all this exertion. I remember that. No, <laughs> he's he's okay. He's 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 just one of those players that you have at your table, 
and he's one of those guys. I mean, he's he's on disability. He he's got other things going on in his life that you know have given him trouble. The gaming offers him a good outlet, a creative outlet, and yeah. uh, he he definitely needs the gaming because if not, he's going to sit at home with his mother, and it's just not really uh, it, it. Those situations, his family relationships are healthy, but. He was also 40, so now he's in his 50s, and I worry about his health. I, I hope to God he never gets the coat, the coof. That would be rough for him. Yeah. But he he was always in bad shape. And, like, Mike from the uh, – what was that game store in Peoria? Just for fun. Just for fun. Michael has said that listening to Carl go up the three steps in the, the back where the, the stage area was – he said that was just painful to listen to it because you could hear like two boxes of Rice Krispies rattling back and forth as he pumped himself up the stairs. He was in, you know, he's in bad shape. I don't know where he's at now, uh, gaming wise. I'm sure he's got a table. I'm sure he's got people he hangs out with. But that was one of the most rewarding New Year's Eve parties I've ever had. And then we revisit that almost every time we get together afterwards. And Carl, he kind of piled in on it. He 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 knew that like this is a, this is a joke, kind of at your expense. But that was funny as fuck. I've never seen somebody pull up a pecan pie like a like a New Jersey pizza and chew on it before. And they he did. But no, we uh, don't don't be that guy at the table that the eating habits are discussed ten years later and we still have a good laugh. Don't be that guy. Um, and don't be the DM that always brings it up like me either. But <laughs> I think I, I think um, mainly like one of the best things you can do to, to keep a good table is to be available for your players. Because a lot of times they will call you or ask you questions on instant messaging. Mm-hmm. I need to know about your game world or I need to have this answer. Don't disrespect them. You know, don't, you know, don't act like a dick from zero charisma, which... I love the movie, but I would hate to have him as my GM for a game because I would leave the table. But just just be there for your players when they ask you a question about the game world. Uh, if you can help it, put together a primer. Put together like a three to five page about your campaign and what you are looking for to develop if you can. Or even just a paragraph. If that's too much for you, just, just get a paragraph of it. And, and have that shared amongst the players or put that out in a text message. And that way you can bring them closer into the mindset for what you want for your game. And, and also if you're running a, if you are running like a module or something like that, one thing that I have noticed now is a lot of the companies are actually putting out primers for the, for the modules, uh, a, a player's guide for it so yeah. i mean it's great because then you can go hey this is this is what what your characters know about and what they uh what they're uh what they think they know and make it real simple for them to be able to do that um and i don't want to sound i, I don't want to sound privileged but i think the people that grew up in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, I think 
when it comes to this hobby, this niche hobby of tabletop gaming, we were really blessed and not in like a biblical sense, but we were right there as the iron was striking hot and we had this great selection of games to play and rule books to open. And it was, we were the latchkey kids. We were able to, you know, we, we were coming home. Our parents were at work. We could get our stuff done and then head over to the game store, bring friends over, hang out in the garage and play the games or we could schedule a game for Sunday. But the thing was, was that we were able to have this hobby where we were all able to partake in it. And we were able to have these fun times. Most of us did this whenever we didn't have responsibilities as teenagers, which is why we love the game still. But, and we're, we're, I think we're still trying to capture that. And I don't think that's a bad goal, but I want future generations, I want future tables to be able to still have that fun, even if it's a, a virtual table. I, I think. Go ahead. Is that the younger generations like they I, they also are having those exact same moments that we're that we had when we were younger. They're having it too, and they're actually having. As an I've uh, sorry, this is another anecdote. I and oh. I've I've watched. I I've seen. I've introduced kids to gaming, and then, and I'm like, well, obviously, you know, I only have X amount of time. I'm running my sessions, and then. You know, at first they were like, well, we don't know what we're doing. This is kind of weird. And then they start to, to like wander off. And then about like six months later, some bunch of them come to the table going, oh, yeah, we're in the middle of a really cool Shadowrun campaign. I'm like, wait, wait we can be playing Shadowrun right now? Why are we playing Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, and then these, and then I get slapped in the back of the head going, no, focus, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And here's me, but they're talking Shadowrun. Why are we playing this? And and then again, I get smacked in the back of the head, going, "No, Dungeons and Dragons is how we teach people how to become gamers. You don't get to play the good fun games, but the kids learn to play the fun games on their own. But I want to play fun games too. I want to run fun games. No, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, but I want, but I want to play Exalted. No." I want to play 7C. Stop it. Stop trying to have fun. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but we all have that benefit. Like we all went through this, but we don't see that other kids are also going out and going, they're still, they're having their campaigns and we're just not seeing them. And because we kind of isolate ourselves into going, well, this is our group. This is our our slowly condensing, focusing, refining, purifying little group of friends and our and our ideals. We don't want to let in new people because that might change what we loved 25 years ago. And 25 years ago, the game was fantastic. It's still fantastic. You can still go back and enjoy those games. But we're trying to capture lightning in a bottle to recreate what we enjoyed. 15, 20 years ago. Well, we're no longer 18 years old. Right now, there's somebody who's having their lightning in a bottle moment of going, 
wow, this is really awesome. They're having their stories that we're now that we look back twenty years. I, I you know, twenty years ago that was an amazing campaign we had, or that was an amazing adventure. I remember when my character got killed by that thing. We're not seeing that because we're no longer in that group, but they're having them. We're just not seeing it. I. I guess we're not seeing it, but I guess that also happens whenever everything goes from in person to virtual. That too. I mean, there's there's some people out there who they're like, where a kid came out and he's like, like, I'm in like six campaigns. Well, a, where'd you find the time? And then he goes, well, my Saturday I have a morning campaign, I have an afternoon campaign, and I have an evening campaign. Then I have two more during the week, and then I have one on Sunday. And I'm like, wow. How do you keep it all straight? And he goes, I have notebooks for all of them. And I'm like, did I do this to you? Did I teach you how to do this? He goes, well, you introduced me to how to play, to play Dungeons and Dragons. And then I found all these other games. I'm like, I'm both sorry and happy for you. I'm sorry you have no life, but now you have all these friends. Good luck. Go have fun, my friend, my son. Go. Push. And that's it. That would... That would be interesting. And it's fun. Like some people go, this wasn't my hobby and they leave. But like I said, there's a, a lot of kids who all have their weird moments. And now as I deal with alumni who've been playing for now three, four or five years, they look back at, at their first adventures and go, that was a lot of fun. That was my first time when X thing happened. But then, those, but then they start telling me about their stories. It's no longer just me telling them about my old stories. Now they're telling me about their stories that they did when I wasn't around. And I'm like, tell me more about your character. And suddenly now they're no longer this young kid who I saw walk into my classroom. Now they're uh, now they're like third, you know, juniors in college, and they're going, yeah, this is what I've been doing. And I'm like, you. So, and I go, so how old are you again? He's like, twenty one. I'm like, let's go to the bar. You can tell you, I, I, I'll buy the first round. You tell me about your campaign. Cool, cool. And then we go off. So. It's not a bad way to end that. No, no. And that's what you and and that's what we're all like. What we should all be aspiring for is like we see a young like t- you meet a new gamer, take them out for a beer, and hear their yeah. stories. It's fun. <laughs> the uh, the ability to share those experiences. That's one thing that you're going to probably do five or 10 years from that table moment, kind of like what I'm doing with you guys. And you're, you're just going to find that you still laugh over simple, stupid moments. You're going to, you're going to find yourself chuckling way too hard at things. And that's one of the things that the gaming does. It, it brings you into close contact. You get to know people really well. Maybe more than what you are comfortable with, you know, if we talk about pony porn, but you you talk about everything together and you have all of these various moments. And later when you reminisce, it's like you're opening a present that you opened up 10 years ago and you can have you can have that. And there's not many hobbies out there that bring you into contact like that. No. Chad was like, sounds about as boring to hear people talk about their old games as like watching Critical Role. No, no, no. I well, I disagree with that. I, I, ahead. Ultimately, I to kind of go off, 
to caveat off that off that little point, I mean, then if the goal isn't to actually have a cool story that you're going to tell somebody else that after the game, what are you actually playing for? Like, what are you besides having a cool story you can share with with friends? Like, I've like I've met people online that like, through gaming and then met them at conventions and be like, and but well, we already have a common history, and then we start just swapping stories like. Well, we can't just like just pull out character sheets and go. Well, now that we're all in person, characters GM screen goes up. Now you fuckers are dead. I'm gonna roll now to kill y'all. Uh, no, that's not how it works. Well, it can work if you prearrange. That's what's going to happen. But for the most part, no, you really don't do that because you're going to have some fun because you got to meet this guy for for a little bit. And plus, this is how you get to know your fellow players. So that way. Well, say I'm going to say I've never met Garrett before, never once, and so supposedly I'm going to meet. I, I, I'm going to have, invite him to my table. Well, obviously I know a little bit from somebody else who introduced him. I'm going to talk to him a little bit. We're going to swap some stories. Who knows? Hit it off, have some fun, and then go. Oh shit, that's a cool story. Tell me more about that. And now I know when it comes time for game time, what to expect out of him because I now have a cool story or two that I've gotten out of him. And now I can tailor my game a little bit, a little bit better. So I, so I know. Sure, make that robot a bit of a horrible monster for me. I reprogram for his benefit, and it'll be fun. And you, you need to have more fun than just getting a, I getting a little bling trinket that you write down and never tell anybody else you ever want it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> okay. Shedzer had a, a comment last week. Uh, well, that was last. That was last week. He but, doesn't even remember what he said ten minutes ago. But <laughs> I'm messing, Shed. Sorry. Had you play for hookers and magic items. Yes. Okay. Um, the reason why you're playing is because you're playing the game. You're playing the game, and, and even if it might mimic like a board game or if it's a full immersive RPG where you're actually doing role-playing and you're having courtly romances and you're you're involving yourself with various factions, the group of people you're playing with, I think, is, is why you're going to really just do everything you can to enjoy those moments you have in-game. And... When we're in the middle of it, we're not thinking about have the cool story, chicks dig scars. You're not really thinking about that. You're thinking about, fuck, I need a cleric to heal up my goddamn wounds. Maybe the paladin will do a some sort of miraculous burst of healing on us. Hopefully, you, you, there's a lot of reasons why you're playing. There's a, yeah. a ton of reasons. But playing a game... Like, only gamers really understand those crunch moments that are in a game that we've all kind of had a shared experience with. Even though we've never all sat at each other's table, we all know that feeling of dread when we see a low single-digit number roll up on the die when it's like, make your fear save, the dragon's right on top of you. Fuck. <laughs> you know? And and Shadzar had a really good comment on YouTube, and uh, 
I, I kind of want to read it and I kind of don't, but I think you've already you've already seen it, Wayne. Yeah. 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 I got it. And, and 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 what we what we don't want to do is we don't want to have a tepid gaming experience. I'm wow. a tepid I'm a I'm a tepid person when it comes to having a uh, a conflict at the table. A serious tepid. I I don't want to have players backstabbing other players. I really don't. No. You you can, but you'll get like it's like playing a game of diplomacy. Somebody's gonna get <laughs> really pissed over the actions in turn three. Yep. Um, oh, you got nukes. Oh shit. Exactly. But you know, you, you can only really share these experiences with people that have played RPGs. And one good thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that the game theoretically has not changed much it's still in fifth edition walk down the corridor find the monster slay the monster get the experience points take the treasure and continue on that's a, a rant that bill helmbacher used to say all the time and in fifth edition they've changed things a lot compared to what it was in the basic holmes moldvay bx beck me it, it's it's changed hugely but Everybody that's played a version of D&D probably has had a moment, if they're playing an actual game, not Dungeons and Discussions, they probably have had a moment where the dice are going to fuck them. And oh, yeah. they're watching the dice just fuck them over hard. And somehow either they have a, what do they call it, a Hail Mary moment where one of the other players saves their ass, or they have a TPK. But other people won't understand that unless they've been at a table like what you have. Yeah, but you're also in a bit of a camaraderie. Uh, you're, it's almost like, like you're in a group. Where, like you've all been. If you're if you're a gamer, it's why gamer warships are, are so much fun to share with other gamers. Like we've all been through that fire. We've all seen it. Like I know, I said it's a cool story to tell, but the thing is that the story is an emergent property from all the events that are happening. So, like, if I go to someone strange and go, "Hey, we were in a dungeon. This is all. All this happens." They're gonna look at me and go, "I have no idea." But if I go to another to a fellow gamer and go, "Oh yeah, there was this moment where we were like, like Bob was down. There's a full fire gone, and a troll was in there. And also, out, out of nowhere, the wizard you know, pulls fire out of his ass, blasts everything, and we were all saved. Hooray!" The gamer go, the fellow gamer goes. Oh, that was a beautiful moment. That was a real pinch. You know, that was a real, real like right there when you needed a moment. But like I said, that's that is a story that was an emergent property from the session that was actually being run, and we trade the condensed uh, and the condensed narrative. But we were actually still playing the game. But thankfully, we all knew how to speak the same language. So, yeah. I, I guess, and and Shed's are he's the D and D TSR purist, so for him it ended in '99 when Watsy took over and allowed Monty Cook to bring out his version of the game, and a lot of people are like that, and that's fine. Play the games you have. Prefer the games you like. Yeah, yeah. Preferably play the games you like, and find people that can sit with you. And that goes for everybody out there. That goes for everyone. Find people that don't mind hanging out with you. It's not hard to be a good person 
to be a team player, to no. to plot, to plan, and to try to get every fucking gold piece and experience point out of that dungeon master of yours. That's what you're supposed to do if you're a player. Yeah. And if you're a GM, it's okay to have the party fail every once in a while. You don't have to be, you're not part of their, their side. You're playing the rest of the world that they interact with. And sometimes that world isn't friendly. You don't have to be a killer GM, but they, they do want to be able to talk about the game and say how challenging it is or how hard the world is and how difficult their quest is. They want to have something that they can talk about over wine or beer or whatever. Right. Give them that opportunity. Don't shortchange your players. No. Um, well, <sighs> Bruce and your silly thieves, everything's a thief. There's only fighters, clerics, and mages before somebody fucks the game up. Uh, you got to listen. The thief was necessary because you needed somebody to be able to go in there and do the things that clerics could not, and the wizards could not, and the fighters were good at standing there trading blows until somebody else could could deal with a distracted monster. And that's what you need, Chad's are. Thieves were ideal for that. Um, Cal, Cal talks about the bard. It could be an NPC storyteller entertainer. It could be. You know, it's it's uh it, it's it's not a well, I, I won't go into class hatred. I won't even discuss sorcerers. But I'll just say that run the game you want to run. Find the table that you want to administer to and enjoy yourself. You're not going to save the world. You're, you're here to play a game. You're here to, to hang out with friends. And eventually you're, you're going to have a few sessions at the table that you're going to want to repeat again and again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. You guys, you guys, whatever you have to do as a player or a dungeon master, a referee, if you can go that mile, do it. But as a player, I'm going to encourage people to always talk. I always encourage people to discuss with their DM what, what he wants out of the world or she wants out of the world. I want people to talk with other players like, I was thinking about doing this. What would what would you think would be good for the narrative or for the story or for my character? And ask questions. The entire game is based on conversation. Yep. So don't lose that art. Don't lose the art of being able to converse with people. Go ahead, Barrett. Garrett. No, I was just agreeing with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um Sheds are I know it's of, weird. It's weird. People agree with Bruce. I know I you're know, not used right. to that. And and Sheds are had made a statement kind of referencing Gary Gygax. And Gygax had said some controversial things way back in the day. And I would think that for back then, it kind of made sense. But now we have we have about 30% of the gaming populace is female. And I would say that's, you know, for, for table toppers, about 30%. I don't know if that's accurate for you two, but I think for for me, that's probably not accurate. I get maybe one out of six or one out of five, that'll be a female. And I'm okay with that. 
I, I don't want to. Yeah, our tables about half and half. Like there was a period where I had Mike and Faith and yeah. everybody at the table, but Bruce was married, and they brought their wife or spouse or kid. <laughs> their kid slept in front of the fucking refrigerator just to get attention. So, anyway, you want. I'm losing my train of thought here. And the reason why is because I'm thinking of various ways how to end this, but I'm at the two hour mark and I probably should just end it. I, I, I want to make sure that when you guys leave the stream, you, you reference the fact that, Hey, listen, they want to talk about how to get new players at the table. That's pretty important. You want to be able to entice people into joining that group, whether you're the dungeon master or another player. If you're a player and you know this person, it's a lot easier than a, a stranger at a game store. At a game store, it's going to be one of the easier moments that you'll have to talk to somebody because they probably know the lingo or they probably are interested already. And you're just coming up to them and offering them the candy they want on a silver platter. I want to play in a game. You're offering me a game. Let's go. Oh, okay, Shadzar. That was where Gene Hackman from The Replacement said, that's why women don't play the game. Where Keanu had stated, chicks dig scars. Chicks dig scars on their boyfriends or husbands, not on themselves. <laughs> and Cal says, I got sick of bards as player characters. Uh, the the K, uh, K5K says, integrating new players and they've just joined. What type of game style elements they like most? Play to those. And I'm sure you can call them deliberately until everybody makes space for them. If I don't try to play to a player's type, I want to play towards the group actually. And I, I, it's easier when the group gets along. That that's just what I've found. Um, if I if I start throwing people in their own special limelight, I'm pretty much going to run an eight-hour session where every player gets an hour to an hour and a half where they. Are doing their own thing and I don't want to give them more than that so I don't want to make anyone feel left out I want to give everybody their time to shine it's already a game where typically the person that can rack up the most damage in a combat is going to shine and in higher level games it's typically wizard or magus maybe a cleric or druid fighters they top out early then they kind of coast the rest of the game but that's just uh, Cal says, yay, I'm still seeking a gamer wife. Attention. Okay. Easy, e easiest way. Easiest way, Cal. Dice. Buy hey, her shiny shiny click clock math rocks. Done. They're happy. Yeah. Very happy. Oh, miniatures too. Definitely if you pay them up yourself, it's even better. Yeah. Sometimes. I'm still figuring out what I want to do with this guy's feet in the ground. Oh, he man? Yeah, He-Man with an axe and shield. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeking a husband who doesn't play games, damn man horse. That's funny, Carol. <sighs> Cal, I don't think I could stand it. We'd be fighting over the paint supplies. Oof. No, no, no. What, that's what you do with what I've got. You have your hobby room and another room, and her hobbies can stay in the bedroom. <sighs> We used to kidnap players. You need sacrifices and demon worship. Cool. We've repeated 1987 again. <laughs> um, everybody, appreciate you coming in.
Uh, Garrett, do you have anything coming up here in the next week or so that you're going to be doing? I'll be finishing out the SG-1 uh, review and commentary that I've been doing on uh, my uh, YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, Maybe doing some gaming this weekend, uh, actual like PC gaming uh, on my Twitch channel. Uh, not sure. I've got to work on Saturday, so I've got to see exactly what uh, what I've got for time wise and everything else. So yeah. Hey, what are you What are you uh, doing this weekend or in the next seven days? Hmm. Trying to work on the National Novel Writer Month project, collect more lapel pins, and do more research for my next session. Yes. Excellent. Um, if you guys want... Saturday, I'm running a game on my channel here. Uh, I'll be doing that from about noon thirty. Hopefully, I'll be I'll be in the chat at, at noon thirty. I'll just say that twelve thirty Central Standard Time. I plan on running to nine. I would like to run until nine p.m. Maybe later. Uh, people that know how to get in touch with me. If you want to game online and stream, I have I have availabilities. I, I have four available available slots, and uh, that's that's what it is. It's every three weeks we play in a, a campaign that's very tough. the The players are not happy with their current lot in life. They're kind of sandwiched between an army and uh, kind of a swath of wilderness that doesn't have a lot of good vegetation. Kind of like South Texas is scrubland and been salted after numerous invasions. But that's what I have planned for Saturday. Uh, next Wednesday, as far as I know, it's still open on the Gatekeeper stream, so I'm probably going to grab a hold of that. We discussed doing a, an NPC discussion the other night, didn't we, Garrett? Where, where were we talking about that? Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I I was slightly tired and from editing. <laughs> yeah, um, we we've got some things going on. I'll I'll, be, I'll post it in the Gatekeepers and Legion of Myth uh, discords for those of you people that need to that want to know about it. If you want to, you can join my Discord, Garrett. If you want to get your you, Garrett, you want me to put your Discord in the chat? That's fine. Okay. Let me do that. Copy. I feel jealous of Blaine because Blaine runs so many games all the time. Don't be. It's <laughs> fine. All right. Okay. That is Garrett's channel. This is my Discord channel. And uh, I have no Discord, never will. Say again? I have no Discord, never will. Okay. Um, when when you start running more games, quote unquote, online, I could see that happening, but not until then. 
Um, oh no, it'll be it'll be a super secret dungeon. You get you can't come there unless you're invited. <laughs> uh, can I bring my pony porn? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> it'll go in, it'll go into the meme vault where nobody where nobody gives a crap to look at it. All right, everybody, we appreciate you being here tonight. I'm sorry if I kind of got lost in the last 10 minutes. I was trying to figure out, okay, what direction I want to take this. Really want to wrap it up. We can save the rest of this for next Thursday. Uh, before we go, Garrett, do you have an idea for what the topic of discussion could be next week? I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We always do. Okay. Uh, actually, probably sorry, next so quiet. week. Let me see. Uh, for next week, ah, editing, editing. Uh, if you're running, uh, if you're running, uh, like a module or something, you know how to put your own twist on stuff. Okay. Ooh, okay. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. So, oh, it's almost like can't a little we'll probably get into a little campaign building and a little, little bit too, you know, world building. I'm up for that. Okay, we could do there that. You go. That, that that that'll be our next week is world building. That's okay. in the game. Pork, pork, pork. No, thank you. <laughs> hey, I had a dog at my table. Harry was fine. Garrett, when you run, do you have your pups with you, or are they in another room? Uh, right now, they're they're in the other room because uh, they have both decided they are going to partake in being part cat. They are now sitting on the back of the couch and barking at everything that walks by. Okay, so that's you... the, that's the reason the door is closed, and yeah. Okay. Everybody in chat. We really appreciate you being here. We wouldn't be having uh, nearly as much fun without you because we wouldn't have the chat to bounce ideas off of and uh, to do the jokes. Without you, this would be a very dull channel. And I thank you guys all so much for showing up tonight. Uh, if you want to, join our Discords. Come stop by at uh, Garrett's Game Streams and uh, check out mine on Saturday. We will talk to you later.